now transmitting the Mint Condition Podcast. Everybody, welcome to Dish Podcast right here on Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, wherever you're listening to your podcast. That's where we are, and that's where you are right now. I'm Scott Bot Savage, along with Wait, Wait and Joe. And this morning, as of this recording, I gotta say, I woke up with one of the worst cases of morning breath I've ever tasted. But I also woke up. I smell it. And why is that, you may ask? Well, it's because last night was double or nothing. It came to us live from Daly's Place uh, in Jacksonville, Florida. And needless to say, it was a treat. But before we get into that, uh, uh, we wanted to talk about uh, Joe. Wanted, well, Joe specifically, he uh, saw some pretty interesting docs that he wanted to send your way. Uh, so we want to get into that <clears throat> real quick um, as well. Uh, also, before we get into that, I want to apologize. <clears throat> Last week, uh, we were supposed to upload episode 276 on Tuesday. I uploaded it for some reason. Then it didn't actually upload. It didn't go to any services like Spotify. So I don't know what happened. So this week, you're going to get <clears throat> most likely three podcasts. I know it's really weird. Okay. So you're going to get episode 276. Well, by the time this airs, 276 is out. Uh, on Sunday, uh, they're going to get this episode, and then I hopefully, maybe Saturday, we'll have an episode for, there's a virtual Chattanooga Film Festival, that they're showing a shit ton of movies, oh, and a shit ton of shorts, they're doing it till Monday, it's basically, they were going to do the film festival live, like in the fall, they're like, oh, we're going to do it virtually, so we have all the movies, they have, Q- they have Q&As via, like, Zoom and Skype, <clears throat> they did a Q&A with, um, uh, Alex Winter. Uh, Excellent. Yeah, he's talking. He's talking about the Frank, he's Frank Zappa doc, documentary he's been working on for since like for like a while. I, I think I donated to the Kickstarter. I still get emails. <clears throat> but he was there, and you know, he talked. They did a remembering Joe Dante's work, and Joe Dante that was there talking about it. There was a surviving the game uh, retrospective of Ice T. Oh, I thought it was going to be the story of someone wrestling Triple H and living to tell the tale. And it's really weird seeing, like, Ice-T talk about Gary Busey. It was really interesting. But, like, they have, like, all kinds of, like, you know, events. So, <clears throat> it's pretty cool. <clears throat> so, I'll be talking about that at some point. Maybe Saturday I'll upload something with that. But also you're going to have a new Criterion Connection. And you're also going to have a new B-Movie Den. So, because last week we didn't have anything, this week we are jam-packed. Yes. That's, and, all, that's uh, all I have. And continue to enjoy Gary's descent into madness in the B-movie mm-hmm. day. Yes. One of my favorite things about the whole series. It's a weird, it's, like, subplot. Well, it's Scott, just like, it's just like, he, like, Wade, he he does know that you're not there, right? Well, Scott, 
I have something to tell you. You'll like the movie if we do a B movie then. You'll like it. What do you mean we? You're not doing it. I, I, well, I, here's the thing. his fucking mind. <laughs> well, here's the thing, Scott. I, I do edit it. So I have to see the madness. You don't understand. I'll, I'll be real. I leave most of the madness in there. I leave most of the madness in there. I leave most of the madness in there, but I have cut some things that are just like. Wait. Kayfabe. Kayfabe. <clears throat> okay. Gary did all the work, but he gave me an update on what movie w- that we did. I did we in quotations did. Because well, he's just saying, man, what are you talking about? He's nuts. When Gary, dude, dude, when Gary figures out that you weren't actually there, he's coming for us. Scott, I'm going to try to say it. You're probably going to watch this week's B-Movie Den. Yeah. It involves a certain actor slash wrestler. Oh Jesus, Tiny Lister. No, and there's also uh, let's just say the town is named after um, an animal. Oh my God, I know what movie it is. I've seen that movie. <clears throat> yeah. It's not as bad as everyone makes it out to be, and I fucking love it. Yeah. So uh, you know what movie it is, Scott? Because you've talked about it many times. Fucking lootly. It'll That's be. A- movie. Is that wait, wait wait is that the one that stars Scott's dad? Yes. Yes. As, as, <laughs> I don't think, wait, I don't think you guys caught. I don't think you guys caught that witty line. So I'm gonna say it again. It's gonna be a riveting good show. Yeah. Well, that's the episode. Riveting Gary guys. Did. That's the episode Gary did. I don't know what it, I've not watched a single second of it, so I don't know well what it's gonna be like. You know that explains a lot about all the things that happen on Men Can Dish Productions, Wade. No, like he like uh, email got emailed to me last night, so. I haven't touched it yet. I haven't even opened the email yet. I got till Friday, sir. What email? Gary doesn't. Gary doesn't email. As far as he knows, you live in his basement. Wait, snail mail. Wade. Wade gets random like cassette tapes in the mail. And if AEW can't keep kayfabe, I'm not gonna keep kayfabe. Yo, thought you were better than that. Guess I was wrong. Yes. But one thing, one person. Bro, bro, it doesn't matter who uploaded it. Get out of here, Mr. Russo. It's not going to bring the numbers. Well, brings the numbers, Jerry Springer. Well, going from Russo to Russ Joe. So, Joe, (laughs) you, you have some documentaries that you watched this past week that you wanted to share with the people, get them pumped. What do you got for us? Because you because you haven't told me. This isn't one of those things where we know what's going in to, going on and we're following along. This is this is new territory. New territory. What do you got for us, Joe? Well, I just signed up for the Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus like bundle. Oh. So I've been diving into Hulu for the first time in like ten years. Did I had the I had that bundle, but then like for some reason I think we. I canceled it just so I can watch a show on ad free because the Hulu ads are killing me. So I tried to do the bundle again. I realized I can't just a warning to you, to both of you. Once you go ad free Hulu, you can't go back. Like you physically can't or no, you can't, no, no, no mentally you cannot. Okay. <laughs> okay. I wanted to make sure go like, well, shit, I don't want to pay. I don't want to pay. I, see, I don't give a fuck about the ads. I kind of just zone them out. I'm not paying extra. I just can't bring myself to do it. I don't I have mean, 
I, so I did the bundle, and, I, and so I tried to redo the bundle. Basically, like if you do the ad free, it's going to be billed separately. So just warning to anyone that tries. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you got it. So it's a cool bundle. It's a really good deal. Yeah, it's a great deal. Uh, the twelve ninety nine bundle as of now, um, and you just get a whole bunch of content, uh, like easily more than what Netflix will give you. Um, and I found a couple. Like I just been scrolling through, seeing different TV shows I wanted to catch up on, but they also have a bunch of like, not just original TV shows, but they have a lot of original movies too. And I found a couple documentaries that were really interesting. One was about the Dana Carvey show. I always forget that there was a Dana Carvey show. It only lasted a total of eight episodes, seven that aired. Okay. And What's this on? It's on Hulu. It's okay. a Hulu original. Um, it's called Too Funny to Fail. What channel was the, was the Dana Carvey show on? Was it on NBC? It was on ABC. Oh. So you, the first, all right, well, I'll get into that in a second. Um, so it's called Too Funny to Fail because it's one of those things that in hindsight, you see everybody involved and you wonder how it didn't work. Like the Ben Stiller show. Uh, yes. Even more so. Because uh, you have Dana Carvey fresh off of his SNL stint uh, where he gets on Rolling Stone when he leaves the show. <laughs> He brings Robert Smigel as his, like, showrunner. Um, and then, like, he starts filling out his cast. And the first two people they get are Steve Carell and Steve Colbert. Ooh, that's, that's a combo. Yeah. Wait, was They're, Robert Smigel doing double duty? Was he doing Dana and SNL? No, he leaves SNL. I did not know that. Yeah, him and Dana both leave SNL to do this show, and one of the first mistakes they do is they go to Network Primetime. Now, Network Primetime is, like, the death of any sketch comedy show, because it just doesn't work there. That's why Saturday Night Live is on at the time it's on. Yeah. You know, that's why, like, other... other quote-unquote, close-to-prime-time sketch shows are on cable television. Now, was this their idea, or was this uh, ABC's idea? It was a bunch of their ideas. Um, Basically, like, Dana's agent, uh, Robert Smigel, uh, ABC. Like, they're they're trying to all pitch for the prime-time slot. Because Dana, you know, at the time, he had Church Lady... You know, you had Garth from Wayne's World. Like, he was in two hit movies. Like, it was all this stuff. And they're like, no, you've got crossover appeal. Like, everything's going to be great. You do the the president impressions. Like, it'll be wonderful. And what ends up happening is Dana and the group he assembles want to do a different kind of show, kind of like the Ben Stiller show. And it's a different, you know, it's a little bit weirder comedy stuff. And they do new stuff, not the stuff that Dana did on SNL. And ABC's like, well, we got Home Improvement as your lead-in. And, like, Robert Smigel apparently had, like, never seen the show. (laughs) Because... 
Because what ends up happening is they see, um, uh, I think their first or second show, uh, they get led in by Home Improvement with uh, when Jonathan Taylor Thomas is like sick. That episode. Oh, answer episode. Yeah, that's the lead in. <laughs> and then you go to the Dana Carvey show, which has these like crazy sketches. That make no sense to half the people watching. But yeah, like, they had Steve Carell, Steve Colbert were, like, the first two cast members. Um, they get a couple other people you probably recognize. I don't remember their names now. I mean, I one, of them, one of them was Heather Morgan. Um, I think the other one was Bill Cott. But, like, the lead writer is Louis C.K. Uh, they bring him in after being on the Conan sh- uh, O'Brien show. And they have, like, Dino Stomatopoulos or whatever. I can't remember how to pronounce his name. But they also have Charlie Kaufman, which Wade would know from Adaptation and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. He's yeah. a staff writer <laughs> on this show with no credits. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they have the guy who ends up being the showrunner for 30 Rock. He's one of the staff writers. <laughs> like, it's a like, ridiculous, like, all-star group of people. And, you know, hence the title, Too Funny to Fail. And it, it's really interesting to see them have a retrospective of it. And they're like, why are we doing this? This show failed miserably. <laughs> And it only lasted, like like I said, they made eight episodes, but only seven made to air. Yeah. And they, in their opinion, they thought the eighth episode was the best. And actually, they recycled some of that stuff and put it on Saturday Night Live. Nice. So if you guys remember the ambiguously gay duo... Oh my god, that was on that on Dana Carvey show? That was a Dana Carvey show skit that had Steve Carell and Steve Colbert doing the voices. Oh my god. Um, and the other one is the Tom Brokaw, just in case Gerald Ford dies and all these weird... Oh, yeah, that's one of my favorite SNL sketches. That's a Dana Carvey show sketch. No, he did it on, uh, he did it on the SNL. He recycled it. Yeah. Regardless, I still love that sketch. It's, it's hilarious. And there's a lot of really, really funny sketches that they did. The problem is, you know, the choices they make, you know, doing the prime time on ABC after Home Improvement, uh, their first sketch that they air is where Bill Clinton has surgically added uh, mammaries onto his chest so he can breastfeed babies, dogs, and cats. What? (laughs) He's going to breastfeed all of America. And, and and that's their first sketch they air, and it's just downhill from there. Oh, my God. Just because, you know, you don't... It's, like, the worst sketch to pick yeah. <laughs> as, your, as your first one to air. But it, like, it's... What's the actual fuck? Yeah, it's a... It, I mean, it's one of those ones that you would probably sneak in on, like, the back end of the show. Yeah. But they lead off, they're like, no, this one's gold. (laughs) 
Robert Smigel's like, no, nah, I want to do this one. Fuck what everybody else thinks. <laughs> to be fair, though, to be fair, of all the sketches you just said, the, the Tom Brokaw one is quite possibly one of the most underrated sketches in the history of sketch comedy as a whole. Well, yeah, that and I think Ambiguously Gay Duo, I, I know they were scheduled on the last episode that got canned. Like, they pulled it before it aired and aired a rerun of Coach. <laughs> so Ah, Coach. But yeah, Similar there's a lot of really great ones. One of my favorite sketches was uh, Grandma the Clown. Um, but that's just kind of my sense of humor. But it, it was a it was a fun informational like documentary. You see all these people like reflecting on what they perceive to be their huge big break, and it just crumbles. <laughs> and you know, and then the success that they all kind of go off onto later. Um, yeah. And he went on to do Master of Disguise. Well, Dana, yeah, they, Dana, yeah, they, was, seen, they they went to the, the, the Daily Show, like still, Colbert and Carell went to the Daily and, Show. And got Dana that covered base, the guys. Yeah, yeah. Dave, uh, Steve Carell and Steve Colbert end up going to Daily Show because of one particular sketch they do on Dana Carvey show, um, and all the writers go on to bigger things. Like Dana, arguably has the least amount of success out of anybody. But he ends up going back to stand-up. And that's what he does mostly since then. Uh, you know, Master of Disguise notwithstanding. But yeah, he, he, he primarily focused on stand-up after that. He's turtle. But it, it was a fun, it was a good documentary. It was interesting to see and like watching, like Jimmy Fallon auditioned for that show and, and didn't get it. Like the the amount of people that they they turned down Tracy Morgan and Anna Gasteyer as cast members, like they had like so much in the palm of their hands that just got squandered. So check that out. That's on Hulu. Um, I also watched the uh, it's a documentary on Big Brother magazine. So if you guys don't know what that is off the top of your heads. Um, you guys know Jackass? Yeah. Yeah. That's everybody that isn't Bam Margera's crew. Oh. So they all started on Big Brother magazine, um, and that's how they all met. Like and Knoxville and Preston and... Um... Not Preston, uh, but Jeff Tremaine, yeah. Man, Pontius, Knoxville, Steve-O, all those guys met working on big brother does, because does, does dave, was dave england is he considered part of that group or is he a different thing uh, he came in later okay uh, it's like preston is dave england the one that always cries the one that yeah. does yeah the one always he's cries one of, he's one of them um the other one is uh aaron but they they're the kind of the outcast of the group and this, anyway. is, this is on hulu as well it's on hulu um okay I'm not sure what the guy, exactly what the title is, but it's Big Brother magazine. Okay, I'm looking uh, it up. It's basically, it started as Steve Rocco wanting to do an alternative to Trans World and Thrasher. And this magazine is basically, you give guys like Jeff Tremaine and other not even uh, magazine writers. It's called... Okay. 
dumb, dumb. Yeah. story of Big Brother magazine. Yeah, you, you give those guys no filter, and you're like, hey, just fill a magazine. <laughs> Try giving it. We did give them no filter. It's called Jackass. Jackass spins out of Big Brother. <laughs> no, no. It's, it's just like you said no filter. That was just all I could Yeah, because, well, no, the magazine's even worse than Jackass. Like, I think in their first or second magazine, they run an article called How to Kill Yourself. So. Well, Jackass people failed at that. Yeah, so it's it's a whole, it's like a, you see the cast and it, it the cast of Jackass kind of gets assembled over time through that magazine. Um, but it's like the attitude that Jackass has is always present in Big Brother. And these guys are just like, they're doing whatever they want. They have, like, it's a skateboarding magazine that hardly had any articles about skating. <laughs> like, like, that's kind of the weird shit. Like, the one guy goes up to cover a skate contest in San Francisco, which is one of the biggest ones at the time. Because it was in between when vert contests were cool and that was kind of phasing out. And now we're getting into street skating. So, like, the skate industry is, like, on a downturn. So he goes up to cover the biggest skate contest in the country. And the article is about he meets this chick and how he, like, falls in love with her over the weekend. <laughs> and, like, does not talk about skating at all. <laughs> so it was, it was an interesting documentary if you're – if you – you know, know of Jackass and kind of interested to see where the Genesis came from. Like, how did some, how do we go from pre-Jackass to a post-Jackass world? <laughs> but, like, because the, the way Jackass comes about is that the magazine starts putting out what other people would do as skate videos. They started doing, you know, tour antic videos and it just kind of escalated until, like, Knoxville joins near the end. And then it talks about the magazine after the guys from Jackass leave. And and how long it, you know, survives and, you know, kind of keeps its culture for a little bit. But, yeah. Those are two documentaries I saw last week. Yeah. If, if, I, I was going to say, now, well, if you're... Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, so now if you're like a jackass fan, like you're just like, you're, you know, you, like I said, you're not so much a fan of like, you know, each individual person. You just like jackass as a whole. Mm-hmm. Is this one of, is this something that you would say is a must watch for any jackass fan? Or would you say this is one of those, you know, if you actually like the guys, this is something to watch. Like if you like the show, it's not necessary, but if you like the guys, uh, how would you? How would you? How would you say? Who would you recommend it for as far as Jackass fans? Um. Well, I'd recommend it for anybody who's interested in like '90s skate culture, um, because it is kind of this weird underground part of it. Um, I would recommend it for anybody who basically is a little bit more of a fan than of Jackass than just like, you know, haha, 
they got in a kayak and rolled down a fountain. Uh, it's called urban kayaking. <laughs> right. But it, it, if you're, like, kind of beyond face value, um, and, like, it, it is kind of an interesting thing to me, like, where the success of Jackass just comes out of nowhere, you kind of see where kind of the groundwork is laid. Because it isn't, it isn't something like somebody one day just went, you know what? I want to do a show where we hurt each other and prank each other. <laughs> just, you know, out of nowhere in the late 90s. So it's just seeing how these guys were before they got paid to do it on television. <laughs> it's, it, it's just... I think it's just, like, supplementary material for anybody who's a Jackass fan. Anyone waiting for that Jackass 4? It's, it's yeah. like, it's like, um, how would I put it? It's kind of like, um, it's tangential, but it's still, like, like, if you're into, like, behind the music, like, when you watch behind the music for a certain band, yeah. a lot of times it's some, it's a band that you're interested in doesn't need to be something you like, but if you're just interested in the topic and you're like, I wonder how that band started and how they got to where they are. It's like, it's like, you know, like a jackass, you can either watch this or you can watch the CKY stuff and you get the whole package of all the jackass guys. Well, they talk about CKY. Um, That's what I'm saying. Like if you want more in depth of the the BAM side, just yeah. watch CKY stuff. Cause what happens and they get to it. It's, it's like two-thirds of the way into the documentary, if not near the end. But they do tours as the as a magazine staff. And they end up meeting a 15-year-old BAM and kind of doing some stuff, like, on tape for the skate tape. But then later on, they see that BAM and his crew are doing, like, pranks and stuff with CKY. And they're like, those guys are kind of doing this similar thing that we are. Like, why don't we just incorporate them? And that's how Jackass, like, they meet up together. Because Johnny Knoxville, he gets notoriety uh, for the Art of Self-Defense article he does, where he tests out self-defense materials like pepper spray. Oh, like he did in the movie. Uh, if, yeah, sort of. Just imagine that, but way low budget. <laughs> and, because it's Johnny Knoxville paying out of his own money to do it. Um, and it culminates... It starts at pepper spray, and it culminates in him testing a bulletproof vest on himself. Oh, my God. And there, and, the, and that's kind of one of the big things, is, like, everybody's talking about, like, did you see that stupid guy shoot himself in the chest? <laughs> and that's, you know... Johnny Knoxville's made right there. Um, there, I, if if you don't have it, Joe, I'd say really invest into uh, Amazon Prime. I already have it. Because Prime Video, like I watched the Future Shot, not the Future Shot. Yeah, I watched the 2000 AD documentary. Yeah, I haven't gotten around to watching it. Pretty yet. good. You never realize like Vertigo would not be where it is. Vertigo would not have existed without 2000 AD. Um. Because I didn't know that Alan Moore and Grant Morrison and, like, Neil Gaiman were all from 2000 AD. And oh, DC, yeah. DC, yeah, went, any... DC went to Britain and, like, 
They yeah. took Alan Moore, Dave Givens, uh, Neil, they took everyone pretty much. Yeah, anybody who was British in the 80s worked for 2080. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, like it or not. When you realize like that that the DC went over there for like some weird like kind of like uh oh, get together thing and basically took every like a lot of writers. Like yeah, it took time too. It wasn't just one time. It was like the first round was like Alan Moore and they Dave got Gibbons. Alan. They got um, Dave Gibbons might have been in that group. Um, and there was a couple other people. Then they come back and get like. Neil Gaiman and like Peter Milligan, Brendan McCarthy, but yeah, it, it was like a couple waves. Yeah, like you see the seeds of like Vertigo start, and the ideas of like you know Frank Miller comes in. Well, he wasn't part of 2080, but the idea of the Dark Knight Returns, where it's like that, like like it's not just co- superheroes with capes; it's more of like more in depth storytelling, like 2080 was doing. Yeah, because all they really had was 2000 AD. There might have been one or two other British comic books, but it's like that and heavy metal, and that's about it over in Europe. Yeah. Uh, also, they have all... Remember on VH1, they had the classic albums? Yeah. They have all of them on Amazon Prime. Yeah, well, they have most of them. Yeah, because I was like, I want to watch the Black Album one yeah, just, to see, just to see everyone yell at each other. And I guess I remember it differently because they didn't yell at each other. Well, no, there's the one famous line. He's like, "You want to hear it? Sing that it. Way? <laughs> you want to hear it that way? Go sing it yourself." Yeah, classic, classic James. But yeah, that's all I've got. And yeah, Amazon Prime is great too for like some like kitschy documentaries, like ones that of niche things. Yeah, you know, like that, the Death documentary, the band, not not the band called Death, the the death metal band. Yeah. And uh, uh, I'll just say it. There's a black metal one called Let the Light In. Don't watch it. It's awful. Are you talking about Until the Light Takes Us? That's it. That's it. Yeah, that was made a long time ago. I watched it back then, too. Yeah, like, uh, I don't need Varg's opinion on the world. Don't need it. Don't care. Just a bunch of Edzords. Yeah. Trying to say, like, we're still cool and hip. Look, black metal, you know... Is it art? I don't know. And they're just like... I, I thought Scott saw that documentary, too. Because I, I remember us talking about that one guy participating in the art uh, exhibit. Was it, was it, what, which one? Uh, Until the Light Takes Us. The black I, metal documentary. I have not seen. The one I... You, the only... The closest to anything like that I saw a documentary of was the, um, the Pentagram documentary. Uh, was it Last Days Here? That was the closest to anything like that I, I've seen. I can swear we talked about because it, it was like the... I don't remember if he was a singer for Satyricon or Immortal or something, but he, like, participates in this super pretentious artist, like... Oh, um, it's, uh, hold on, I got his name. Oh, God, I don't have his And he, name. like, Shit. cuts himself all the time and whatnot and breathes fire. But yeah, yeah, like, there's a lot of, like, interviews of Varg in prison about how what, how he feels about culture and the world, and I'm like, I don't need this racist bullshit. And they go on it. It's like they only got two people to interview. Pretty much. And that's it. And, and they shot on a potato. Not not like a shitty camera. A literal potato. Well, it was shot in Ireland. It was a long, long time ago, Wade. It's an old documentary. Yeah. 
It was shot. Bad. It was shot on straight video film. It was shot, shot on video film. And the thing was, this was shot in like like 2010. But it was uh, shot. Uh, <laughs> well, I guess in Norway, maybe the time is the technology is that they're, they're shooting video then. Well, they're just burning churches to in, to like increase film quality. It's art, Scott. Art, or is it art? No, it's fart. <clears throat> anyway, so Scott and I watch a lot of wrestling. Uh, I'll quickly say NXT's weird now. Yeah, yeah. Before we do AEW, I want you to talk about NXT because this is a NXT is something that like I've given Raw a couple and SmackDown a couple tries over the last like two weeks since Mind the Bank. I'm still not fucking sold, but uh, NXT it hurts the most for me because like I said, it's so hard for me to watch a show and get invested in people that I know is good, but like once they get to Raw or SmackDown are gonna be useless. So I just kind of like avoid. I, view, I don't view it that way. I view it as after they leave NXT, they all tragically died in an airplane accident. But I don't want that either. No, I'm just saying, like, character-wise, just they're dead now. But it's and just... all of a sudden, oh, my God, Finn Balor was revived from the dead? What? <clears throat> That's how I view it. I, I don't view – I feel that they just left the company. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Because it's Franken-Balor. Well, wait a minute. Wait, maybe you got some here. Because Prince, right? Prince, they're calling him the Prince now. Uh, Jesus, Jesus was known as the Prince of Peace. You see, Jesus died and rose from the dead. So Finn Balor is Jesus. He is NXT Jesus. He's NX Jesus. I mean, don't you remember the story in the Bible of Jesus doing a double foot stomp on someone? Absolutely. That's how he ascended into heaven. He's like... He delivered the double foot stomp, and that propelled him into the heavens. Everybody yeah, knows. He did a little was... extra ricochet, so he did a he did a sling blade on someone. Yeah, Those I believe the... I believe that was in um uh C Holly tw- uh verse twenty four or chapter twenty four verse seven, the hardcore chapter, if you will. That's that's how it's twenty four seven. Because he did the 24-7 rule. Fuck y'all. It was brilliant. That I, one liked, was I liked it, Scott. I was trying to back you up. But he didn't. <laughs> but you didn't. <clears throat> I mean, I just watched... I haven't watched, and I, I haven't watched any rest, that much wrestling in like four weeks. Because I just can't get into the... AEW is doing it the right way, as we'll talk about. But like, uh, I can't get into the empty arena. Cannot. It's really awkward and weird. I like how Wade started this with, we watched a lot of wrestling, too. I haven't watched wrestling in four weeks. No, I meant this past week. I know. So, I know. It's just a I really new wa- thing. I tried watching Raw last week, and then you saw the Viking Raiders do basketball, and you're like, oh. But aside from that, it was a pretty good Raw, surprisingly. Yeah. Uh, I remember I, that ABA team. Uh, <laughs> so I just watched NXT. I'll just go run really quick. Carrying Cross rules. I don't that entrance. No, I never liked him. It just be Kevin. Kevin Cross. Yeah, that's his name, Kevin Cross. But WWE, that's not WWE created. I'm sorry, I just can't. I just can't <clears throat> take your name, Carrion, seriously. But anyway, so he has Scarlet, and they do a pretty awesome entrance. His entrance slaps. Don't Their really care. Really cool. The thing that always gets me about it is I'm. Wa- I keep watching this, and I'm thinking, okay. What is the WrestleMania version of this going to be? 
That's the one I don't think about that for a lot of wrestlers. The only she rides him with a dragon. There's only two other NXT wrestlers I've ever thought about this with. Um, Finn Balor. No, well, no, because Finn Balor kind of gave you a taste of it with his takeover entrances. So I already kind of got a taste. But um, Velveteen Dream, Alistair Black, and now Carrying uh, Cross. They're the three that I've always said, like, what's their WrestleMania version of their entrance going to be? You know? And um, one day, because I, I can't imagine. Um, so he's cool. He's cool. I, I'm kind of done with these wrestlers having submission finishes. It seems like every fucking wrestler has some sort of headlock finisher. What's uh, what's Cross's finish? It's like it's like a sleep it's like a sleeper hole, but he takes his leg and he basically wraps it around the guy's arm so he can't move. It's called the cross jacket. All right. Or the K. Uh, so basically, might have always been his move though. But they're setting well, up about him. But so so in your house is going to be Champa versus Cross. Nice. Uh, they're doing this. Have you heard about the interim cruiserweight championship tournament? Yes, because um, it's like the G one a little bit. Uh, who's the bobble-headed Finn Balor dude? Jordan uh, Depp. Yeah, Jordan Depp can't. He's stuck in Europe because of the the virus, and he's the cruiserweight champion. So they're doing an interim cruiserweight championship tournament, um, which oh, which now I think maybe they shouldn't have switched the title on him at uh, uh, Worlds Collide because if they didn't do that, we wouldn't need an interim cruiserweight champion. So basically, this is like G1, the the rules. Kind yeah, of. they're doing they're doing a round robin style tournament, which is very unique for WWE. I. I, as far as I know, this may be the first round robin tournament they've done. Yeah, you know what's weird? I, it's like it's like something you would think they would want to do since they like having the same people wrestle each other. I wouldn't be so. Here's the thing: I wouldn't be surprised if this was a test to see if people would even like it, and if they did, I wouldn't be surprised if WWE did their this, own G1 style this, tournament. Maybe not call it King of the Ring, not bring back King of the Ring, but as a round robin tournament. But I wouldn't be surprised. It was, well, you know, or maybe this NXT, is a test. NXT could do it. Call it the N1 tournament. This is a test. Um, you know who's in it, right, Scott? Um, I know Drake Maverick. I uh, know. I think Akira Tozawa. Um, well, they're they're separated into two groups. I'm saying I want to see how well I can do on this. Am I right so far? You got two. Tony Nice. Okay. Uh, were any of the sings in it? No. Damn. Um, I'm trying to remember who they've got in the cruiserweight division. Uh, no, they're on the main roster. Fuck. Fuck. Okay, gotta, I'm gonna take too is, much. Is, is is that other Davari in there? No. Group A. Group A is is four in each group. So Group A is Kushida. God. Uh, Jake Atlas, who's a new guy. Yeah. Uh, Drake Maverick and Tony Nice. All right. Group B is Akira Tozawa, El Hio del Fantasma. You know Jim what? Really, I want to applaud your pronunciation of his name. Even though we all realistically know he's gonna be, he's basically gonna be turned into Fantasma. Well, uh, I thought he, uh, I thought they already gave him a different name. No. They did, the name. and then they didn't. 
Apparently okay. they wanted to use a different they wanted to use his real name yeah. and not wear the mask, but then I guess they figured, fuck it, put the mask back on him, he'll be uh Elio del Fantasma. Yeah. I don't think they'll just call him Phantasma because I don't think he would go for it. For the sake of his dad. I mean, you know, they, they or, cut or first names. His uncle. Point is, I don't think he would do it for Lucha's yeah. sake. But they're going to do it because they don't like first names, for God's sake. So they're definitely not going to keep this name. Well, he already <laughs> lost his mask in Mexico. Why couldn't he just wrestle as his under his real name like they wanted to? Then it would eliminate all this confusion. Uh, yeah. gentleman, gentleman Jack Gallag- Gallagher, who now has severe tattoos everywhere. I was going to say, I think you yeah, mean McGregor. It's not just his chest. It's now his arm now. He, well, he's no longer – he's he's now Connor McJr. Uh, also, and I've been calling him. And also Isaiah Swerve Scott. All right. Uh, so, so everyone says it like that. Is he like a tribe called Quest where you've got to say the whole thing? I don't know. Like no one's ever – ever since he became Isaiah Swerve Scott, no one has called him Isaiah Scott. It's always – I don't know. It's, it's always think, saying the whole thing. I don't no, think you have to. Too. I'm just saying. Like I'm wondering, is it like a tribe called Quest or not? I don't know – I, think I, don't I, don't think, I don't think he's treating it very strict, Lynn. That was a terrible pun. Anyway. That should, so be, they, that should be Strickland from the record book. So they have a tournament. They're doing that. Uh, Timothy Thatcher and Matt Riddle are going to have a match next week. Uh, rules. Shotzi Blackheart. Uh, she does a promo on a tank. Like, I should like her. Like, she's very, like, punk rock and very, like, into like hard and stuff. I should, I should, my teenage me should like her, right? Well, what is an adult? Oh, adult. I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. Because she's a bit much. Like, if wow. you can think of. Subtlety. She says, you, she says, you, you pseudo upper class wannabe motherfucker. Fucker. No, my problem is, it's just, it's, it's like, it's a five-minute promo that could be three. Like, she'll say, like, the, the most low-ball things, like, balls to the wall, heavy metal, and you're you know like... What? You know what? I'll send a note to every wrestler. Every promo would just be, I'm wrestling match. I wrestle you. I beat you. Promo. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> every I'm wrestling saying... promo now, because we got to throw your stupid little subtlety into it. It's pro-fucking-wrestling, sir. Scott, Scott. time for subtlety. You're not hearing me. I'm not saying you cut the gimmick. I think she has too much going on. Like, she's howling like she's a wolf. She's riding in like a mini tank. Well, you got to remember, she doesn't, they don't have Ember Moon right now. So they need she's somebody from to the, She's from the black looking like, kind of choose something. Don't make it, it's like she has too many gimmicks and not a single one or two. If that makes sense. Wait, like, I only need one reason to crush on her. I don't need every reason to crush on her. They're making, like, she's, like, the promo makes her seem like she's Tank Girl, but then she's not Tank Girl. It's like, like, if she was, like, Tank. That's because she's Shotzi Blackheart. I'm I'm saying, like, she was going to go into a more Tank, uh, Tank Girl aspect. Hell, go for that. She wants to go for, like, I'm a werewolf. Fucking go for it. Is is this person, like, related to the hearts? No. No. Not at all. She even all goes right. to she rides a motor she rides a tank because her dad rides motorcycles. And yeah, like, that's logical. And it's fucking awesome. You know what she that's looks what I'm like? saying, like it's weird. It looks like those you know those um those hot rod 
monsters where like they look big as shit and they're driving these little tiny hot rods. Are you talking about like the rat thing? Yeah, yeah. like rat thing and bit was it Big Daddy or something? Well, yeah. Big Daddy Roth had rat thing. Big Daddy Roth, that's it. Yeah, um, he looks like a human version of that riding this little bitty tank with a little Elvis TCB logo on it. It's fucking awesome. Uh, basically, right now we have, uh, I'll run through this really quick. Uh, Charlotte's feuding with Rhea Ripley and Io Shirai. Um, she's pretty much feuding with everybody. She's got a feud yeah. on Raw. She's got yeah. a feud on SmackDown. She's got a feud on NXT. Charlotte needs to just fuck all the way off. Um, she's the Joseph of the wrestling. Oh, and the tournament, uh, they're nearing the finals. Right now, uh, Phantasma is in the finals, but they have a, a three-way tie on the other side. So they're going to have a, oh, I think it was a Kushida. <laughs> a three-way dance. Yeah, it's a Kushida, Atlas, and Maverick are going to have a three-way dance to determine who's going to face uh, Phantasma. Man, Maverick's doing great for a fire <clears throat> Well, he's, he's using this as an opportunity to try and get his job back, at least in storyline. I, I don't know. Did they tape these? I don't know. Before he got let go, uh, Damian Priest, uh, he's the one who attacked Finn Balor. Wow. Um, <clears throat> uh, oh, and uh, God. Okay, two more things. Uh, Dexter Loomis is now a thing. Like, he was, like, a thing, like, on Dark Matches. No, he's a thing now. Oh. Is this gimmick subtle enough for you? Oh, fuck you. Oh. <laughs> no, the, but the name, the name is not subtle. They must have been called Hannibal Kruger. Well, he was going to be known as, uh, he was going to be known as Chucky Voorhees, but they, they <laughs> thought that was too much. That's not, like, oh, They're like, God. oh, we need to settle this up for Wade. Oh, they also, another one was Ghost. T face, but they thought that one was just ridiculous. <clears throat> like Dexter Loomis, uh, I don't think I really liked Sam Shaw as a wrestler that much. He, I, I, I got nothing against the guy as a person, but I have never just looked at him and was like impressed. I've seen yeah. him, he's not a bet. He, let me put it this way: he's one of those guys that, like, if he wasn't in the shape he was always in, I think he would always be like a preliminary guy. But I don't think he's a bad wrestler. I think he's like he a has, very okay wrestler. Uh, his theme slaps. It's very, uh, it's very like, you know, Stranger Things, like synth, like survive. Yeah. It's like that, but a boom, 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 boom. It's like very John Carpenter. It's, it's a very, subtle. Fuck you. Enough of the shit subtle jokes. I'm going to cut them all out. Um, oh, you, oh, you heard it. You heard it. Uh,. That's so like, right it's there. like a John Carpenter score. Like, you know, it's very basic. Boom, 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 boom. It's very like that. Um, yeah. He also, there's a cool thing he did. Like, he basically got Roderick Strong in, like, a uh, chokehold. A chokehold. Get it? Another one. Uh, and he won't let go. And then, you know, here comes um, Bobby Fish. Attacks him. Doesn't phase him. And so, apparently, Dexter and Velveteen have, like, an alliance going, which is weird. Also, last thing, Johnny Gargano is a little shit now. He turned heel. I mean, he's never been that tall. No, him and Candice LeRae have now turned heel. And they're all a bunch of shitheads. And now they're like... Is that the stable name? uh, No. Uh, Candice LeRae went out and called out Mia Yim. And then Johnny Gargano accidentally hit Mia Yim. And then fucking Keith Lee showed up. And then that's where we're going with this. 
But so are we getting two singles matches or are we getting a mixed tag? Probably a mixed tag. They didn't set it up yet. That's I mean, NXT. I'm one way or the other. <clears throat> That's NXT or one. So AEW had, a, had a, an event last night. Yeah, and it was not subtle, Wade. So you must have hated the show. I liked it a lot. But no, Wade, I, I had too much. No, I didn't. Oh my god. You're gonna fucking drive this to the fucking ground. <clears throat> oh, don't yes, worry. I, if you want to talk about subtle, I'll talk about the stampede thing. The stadium stampede did not have any subtlety. No, it what's a believability of one segment. It was it was it was beautiful though. It was it was beautiful in its chaos. Um but like I don't have the card in front of me. I didn't see the buy-in. I don't really I did the best friends versus private party. Oh yeah. I did watch the buy-in. It was uh it was uh the best friends, Chuck Taylor and Trent versus Private Party. And I believe now okay. It was advertised as a number one contenders match, but on commentary, I can't remember during the match because I was kind of more focused on the match itself, but leading up to the pay-per-view, um, uh, what's his name? Excalibur would say, you know, it has tag team title match implications, which usually just means this is just a match. They're, uh, uh, they're just trying to sprinkle a little, you know, a little pixie dust on it. I think um, it is a number one contenders on- match. But the advertised graphics said number one contenders match. So I've got to believe yeah. the winner of that match is the number one contender for the tag titles. And rightfully so, because I can't recall the last tag team title defense. I think it might have been at Revolution. Yeah, when uh, Paige and Omega. Versus the Young Bucks. And they won, yeah. It's great. Great match. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure this is the number one contenders match. That's what I've been reading. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like the graphics and stuff have advertised it that way, but it was—it's just every time Excalibur talks about, it, he always says it has title implications, which you know usually doesn't mean anything. But like, it's been it's elsewhere as number one contender. Uh, but uh, Chuck Chuck Taylor and Trent get the win over Private Party with the uh, strong zero, and it was—I mean—it was a fine match. I mean, compared to everything else, it was the weakest match on the card. But, I mean, you know, when you know what you've got, that's not fair, like, to say. Because with the chaos you have in, like, the last, like, three matches, yeah. <laughs> Even if you had, like, if you could have the best straight-up wrestling match, and it's still not going to compare in, in comparison to the last three matches on the card. Um, but the uh, the actual show opens... Uh, with, uh, first they do, they actually, in the opening package, they do a tribute to Shaq Gaspard, who sadly passed away over the the course of last weekend. Uh, it was confirmed this week that he had in fact passed. Um, and they also later in the show did a tribute to, uh, Hanakimura, who passed away, uh, literally like two days ago. Like, I I think it was the same morning as the show. It, 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 it was, but like with Japanese time and stuff, oh, it's, hard to, it's hard to dictate exactly when it happened, but it happened within hours. Like, it, it, was, was, it, it was 3 a.m. Three, three in Japan time. Corner of the show. Um, so they did a tribute to her later in the later in the day or later in the show and, you know, said a nice little piece about cyberbullying and bullying in general. I think it's something we need to like, yeah. we need to get over. I think it's something we need to just knock off. Like, 
you know, it's like you cannot like things, and that's fine. Just don't take it too far. You know, have some restraint. You know, it's so easy to tell other people to have tough skin, but maybe have a little restraint to not be a piece of shit. Just a, just some food for thought that I wish some would just choke down. Um, uh, but we think, by the way, uh, I don't even know if you mentioned it. They did a uh, private party did, I think, a G9. They, they did. They did in the match. In the match. Which I, I was a little disappointed that they didn't win with it, but I guess, you know, it would be a little too obvious. Mm-hmm. But needless to say, it was a nice tribute. Uh, also, um, uh, I forget the one who has the, the double mohawk, um, but he had an armband that said uh, SG on it, and I thought mm-hmm. that, was a nice, that was a nice touch as well. Um, so the actual pay- – so the pay-per-view starts off proper with the casino ladder match. It's nine wrestlers entering in, in, a, in a ladder match to grab a giant poker chip. You grab the giant poker chip, you are the number one contender for the world title. Uh, according to what I have read this morning and doing my research, uh, that title match will take place at Fighter Fest uh, either next month or either June or July. I, I, I can check real quick. Um, and uh, let's see. Me. Okay, it doesn't say, but apparently there will be a, a Fighter Fest too, and that's when that match will take place. Uh, so it's kind of Royal Rumble rules in that two wrestlers start, and every I don't I think it was every two minutes a new wrestler would appear. I do love I how the being a mystery. I do love how the timer is on the Titantron, so they can't say. You know, it's like how WWE is like. It's not really ninety seconds. You know, sometimes it's five time. minutes. Or not Turner time. Uh, um, Titan Titan. Time. That's Titan Titan time. time is what it's called. That's what I'm saying. Like they had it on the screen the entire timer from start to, to the end, and I'm like, there you go. Yeah. Um. So I have uh, one one problem is I think it's just too many guys in the match. Yes, it was. It felt oh. like it to me. All right. Um. Back to setting up. Setting the scene. Um, so Ray Phoenix was taken out due to an injury on uh, Dynamite the past week. He was replaced with Joey Janela, which is why Joey Janela was in promo earlier. Um, so, so yeah, so it starts off with that. Now, the one thing they didn't specify, and I was really concerned with, did everybody have to be in the match no. for it to end? I don't think so. Or did the match have ended before other people no. showed up? They never specified I, that. I feel, I feel like that's it was implied that it could, but again, they never said anything. I like to believe it wouldn't because that would kind of suck. Like, could you imagine being in this match? Like, if it was real, it but was that, a shoot. But if that's the would, case, why didn't Kazarian and Scorpio Sky just stand there for two minutes? Because that's not the that's not the good guy thing to do. But it's like, if you can't grab the chip, why even fight until everyone's out? See? Why don't you, why don't you exhaust <laughs> yourself? You could but team up. I do. I, I, if, it, if it was set up to where you have a disadvantage coming in later on top of being, like, sure, you're more well-rested, but there's a chance you might not even get in the match, I think that would be an interesting wrinkle. You could call it a gamble. Yeah. Um, but a lot of crazy stuff. Darby Allen doing a drop in off the ladder, trying to hit Kazarian in the back, but doesn't, but doesn't quite get him. Uh, Cole Cabana, when, when he 
when he fell back, wait, I know you were probably wincing a little. When he was up on the ladder, he falls back, almost hits the back of his head on the middle turnbuckle. I think he wanted to hold on to the ladder in some way, but like his fingers were just saying, nope, and they just came off. Um, poker chips were flying, like not the big one there, but poker chips were used, all kinds of weaponry and chicanery. Um, it leads to the ninth participant in the match, which is Brian Cage. You said he it wrong, Steph. You said it wrong. It's Brian fucking Cage. Yes, but I'm a Mormon. Um, he comes out with Taz, who... And this is very interesting, because in the last few weeks, they've been building up tension between Taz and Darby Allen. Because Taz is like, look, you know, you're going through some hard times right now. I can help you. I can help bring you back to glory. I can help get you to the title. And every time, he's like, he either ignores them or is like, no, I don't need you. I don't need help. I'm fine. So Taz is just like, well, fuck you. Fuck you, tiny skull man. I get big metal skull man to break you in fucking half. And he does so by he lays. Okay, so he lays a ladder on the top turnbuckle. Um, he then proceeds to put Darby Allen on the ladder. So he's laying Darby Allen flat along the ladder. He picks up the ladder. With Darby on it, Joe, because I know you didn't see this, he gorilla presses it up, throws the ladder with Darby still on it, outside the ring, into another ladder that is already set up outside. Fucking murders the guy. Um, a lot of crazy, a lot of great stuff. They even bury Cage under a bunch of props, like they like bury him under like guardrails and 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 all kinds of debris. They grab one of the big poker chips, as I mentioned earlier. They grab one of them and like they use it as like a big like like almost like if they let me put it this way, Joe, if they had an anvil or a or a sixteen ton weight, they would have used that as well. But that was their anvil to like hold him down. So he's gone for like most of the match. Uh, just a lot more stuff. Uh, uh, Luchasaurus and Luchasaurus is like a house of fire. They even do a point where um, they go to um, Orange Cassidy goes to do a choke slam on him. And Luchasaurus is like, you're you're not doing this. Uh, which then leads to Marco's stunt coming out and assisting with a double choke slam with Luchasaurus via a stepladder, which, as ridiculous and stupid as it is, I thought it was fucking adorable. Um, I did. I hate Marco's stunt, but I'm not. Eventually, Brian Cage rises from the ashes like the phoenix that was not in the match. He then climbs the ladder. He, he even There's even a moment where... He's climbing the ladder. Orange Cassidy is on his back. Like, Orange Cassidy almost wins the match by being on – while climbing up the guy who's climbing up the ladder. But that gets thwarted. But eventually, Brian Cage, he climbs the ladder, pulls down the chip. He's your number one contender. In his first match, he's number one contender. Uh, it was a fun match. Um, I thought it was – I do agree. It was a little too a little too hectic. I think nine people – was a little too much. I think maybe down to five. You're wrong, Scott. There was ten people. Why were there ten people? Because He's counting Marco's count. No, I guess no. That's that's ten and a half. Well, not Penelope uh, Ford and Jimmy Havoc and all. Jimmy the out- Havoc was in the match way too much. Um, like, I I do agree. There were too many people. Oh, I think. And then the best friend showed up. I do. I was gonna say I do like the idea of having of it of in a situation like this, like having an odd number if you're gonna do a mystery thing however it seems like i don't the, the only th- reason i don't like the mystery like 
who's the fifth person is it seems like when AEW does this they always win uh hangman won the ca uh, casino battle royal last year at number at, at as the joker i believe nyla, nyla rose was the joker in her in the women's battle royal and then now you've got um now you've got brian cage like it's a cool concept but like if if it's if the mystery person is always going to be the winner, it takes a lot of the mystery and intrigue out of it once they're revealed. Like, because you go into your okay, who's the person going to be? Once they're revealed, then it's like okay, they're going to win, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I and I wonder what implications this has for like Impact. Oh, he's out of Impact. He's he's free agent. So that was real quick then. It was. Like, very because like a week or two ago, I remember they were typing up a match with Elgin. I think his contract expired. I don't think it was like it's not like WWE where like if you get your release, you have a no compete clause. I think he his expired and he just didn't renew. Uh, I will which say which means he, was, he would be able to 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 do whatever he wanted right after it was over. I'll bring this up because it's gonna be brought up in most of the matches, but AEW has a tendency, and I think it has to be addressed soon where I think their matches go too long. Like, it feels like, so, not all matches, some matches feel like they could have trimmed five minutes off it and be get the same result. Well, if they trimmed five minutes off the Chris Statlander match, uh, it wouldn't have happened. Well, that, that's it. Chris Statlander is an exception. But we'll get uh, we'll get to, like, I'll just brought, brought, I think Cody and Lance Archer was way too long. I think the women's ma title match... While I liked it a lot, I thought that could have been five minutes less. It just kind of came off as they're, they're just dragging it on, just for dragging on's sake. You know? I can, I mean, I, I, I can agree with some of them, yeah. I, to an extent, I agree. I don't know about the women's match I agree with, but I definitely like agree. How many, like, I know I'm jumping ahead, but how many times are we going to kick out the crossroads? How many times are we going to get that false finish? It's just... Yeah. But he's, every time I see a Cody match, a Cody Rhodes match on pay-per-view, it's always he has to take through three. Maybe the crossroads isn't a good finisher, Cody. I don't know. You can't finish people with one. Well, I mean, and, it is Lance Archer. He is the uh, he is the American. And then, uh, and then Lance Archer, and then uh, Ar Ar Arn Anderson comes in, and then Jake Roberts, and then they're like refs like, no, there's two refs like, no, you guys gotta get out, no, you gotta get out, and then Jake comes back out. And it's just well, like. Well, Come we'll, on, guys. we'll get to that match. It's yeah, after the next the next one. Yeah. Uh, in in line, it was uh, Jungle Boy versus MJF. Um, as far as like pure like wrestling storytelling, I thought this was probably the best That's... example of how of how AEW does storytelling. Now this is you a got... match. Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say you've got MJF, who's like the ultimate bully, piece of shit, snobby, rich bastard, and then you got uh. Jungle Boy, who's like, he's not like he—he he definitely looks like he can take care of himself. He's in shape, and everything, but you know he's smaller, so he's you know more susceptible to bullying. And I mean, both guys showed off not only their character and their and everything, but they also showed a lot of their wrestling ability in the match. And honestly, like I loved the, this is a match that um, if because I watched it on on actual pay per view, so I can't actually go back and watch right now. But once I'm able to go back and watch it, this is a match I definitely want to see again. Yeah, this match is like how oh, I said all these matches like were running too long, I thought. This match is the exception. I thought this match was the perfect length. It was long enough. Uh, I think it's mostly because you had a nice story going on. You had the classic piece of shit 
heel against like like I like well, I don't know I, like I don't know Lance Archer as a heel that much. He's a, he's an asshole. But MJF I know is a fucking asshole and a twerp and a piece of shit. And Jungle Boy Jungle Jungle Boy Jack Perry because let's be real. Jungle Jack Perry is a name that you could put on a champion, not Jungle Boy. You know what I mean? But Jungle Jack Perry, like, he's got that underdog thing. He's got the heart. He's a likable guy. You know. He's a jungle man. Yeah, and eventually he's a jungle man. Like, but uh, here's, and I think what makes the match work is, A, it's not too long, but it, they also change up the spots. You know, you can have the same amount of false finishes, but if you do them differently each time, it feels fresh. Yeah. And I feel like in this match, that's like you know that's what they do instead of you know Cody hitting the crossroads and getting a false finish, and then like a couple minutes later hits another one, and it doesn't work again. Like it's the fact that you know they're able to vary it up. Yeah. And you know what else helped this match? That goddamn Poison Rana on the ring apron. I thought MJF was dead. Yeah, yeah. that. Uh, <laughs> I hope MJF is okay. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. like he faked the injury. I, I love how like, Joe, only the good die young. Remember that. I love when he was like he faked the knee injury, and then he like you know obviously heel move, but then like. He's actually feeling like he's injured or whatever, and no one believes him. Yeah. I yeah. love that little touch. He's he's the boy who cried wolf. And and MJF wins by sneaking a goddamn pin in. Yeah, he and it was a it very in. unique looking roll up too, because I forget what Jungle Boy was going for something. It was like I look like a submission. And like he rolled him up, and I noticed that like he's using the arm, Jungle Boy's arms for leverage. One of which being the arm that he worked over the whole match, which psychology. But like I, I've never seen that style of roller before, and I really liked it. Like seriously, this is a match. A gr this was like a great example of like a traditional style pro wrestling match in a with a modern with a modern lens. Done by two guys who one really knows how to be a heel, so much so that you know even the smarkiest of smarks can put away the I know the behind the scenes shit and just get into it. Whereas Jungle Boy, he he's the same. Like they really are polar opposites to each other as far as babyface and heel. Like they're the same guy, but one is on the bait far babyface spectrum the other on the far heel spectrum and i mean they have tremendous chemistry i hope this is a series i hope this builds up honestly i would even love if if because you know because mjf has wardlow if to combat marco's stunt he got like a like a, a little person oh, he could get hornswoggle dude could you imagine hornswoggle is like a mini mjf or i could actually or just, like, use the, or just use Luchasaurus. What are you talking no, no, about? Wait, wait, no, he's he's using Wardlow for Luchasaurus, and he wants somebody to come. Yeah, MJF, MJF battles is is he, he's, for, he's making uh, Jungle Boy. Wardlow is Luchasaurus, and then he needs a third person to battle Marco's stun, and then he brings in a little person. Oh, Marco, oh. he's short. Yeah, okay, yeah, I, like thought, three, I thought. Three. Yeah, and I was saying okay, that he okay. could bring in Hornswoggle as, like, mini MJF. He could be, like, 
uh, he could be like uh, Freed Swoggle or something. I thought you were going to say, I thought what you meant was yeah, no. the Battle Wardlow, it has to be Marco Stunt and Horn Swoggle. And I'm like, or just use Luchasaurus, but okay, no, I, I, no. I get it, spinning. I, I see no, what you're his team. Like yeah, he has a, like, they have a team of like a regular size guy. I, 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 I get it. Guy, now. A really short guy. He's gotta get a short person because he's got already got his tall guy. I get it now. Scott, I get it now. Yeah, Scott didn't start that off the most, you know, easily to like, It hit me all at once and I was just so excited about that idea that I really hope <laughs> it's something that they do. I, I would love to see it. Great six person tag. You want uh, that leads in H match? What? <laughs> You want to get into the Triple H match? The Triple H match? Yeah, Cody has a tendency to have Triple H-style matches now. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I can see where you're coming from. Like, uh, I love yeah. Cody, it's, and I love like the storytelling he's able to get out of his matches, but he really is turning into Triple H. Well, he's ironic because of the Sledgehammer. It's almost like he co-runs the company. <laughs> So we have the finals for the AEW uh, TNT title, Um, Cody versus uh, Lance Archer, Cody with double A, the enforcer, Arn Anderson, and Lance Archer with Jake the St. Robertson's corner, Mike Tyson as the outside enforcer. And Um, he loves violence. Yes, he does. Um, the dude was chuckling every time someone got hurt. And I'm like, oh, my God. Well, my favorite – okay, so my favorite thing involving the match that's not really wrestling is at the very beginning. So Mike Tyson comes out with the belt, and uh, I'll admit it looks like shit, but as they mentioned on commentary, this is like a makeshift version. It's not finished, but they needed a belt for the show. I'm sure um, the, the actual belt's going to look way better. They couldn't finish it in time because of COVID-19 and the limited crew that they're using. But, of course, even to at this at this moment right now, people are still shitting on the belt. Uh, I guess they were too busy shitting to pay attention, which is why I think a lot of people hate re- – wrestling fans hate wrestling now. They, they're so busy shitting on it as it's happening, they don't actually watch it or listen or pay attention. Um, so I am looking forward to what it's going to look like in the future – um, I don't understand the little White House side plates. Like, if you look at them, they look like the White House or, like, the Lincoln Memorial. Excuse me. <clears throat> I don't know what that's about, but, you know, maybe when the belt's finished, we'll know. Yeah, I'm looking at it, and I don't hate it. It's no, no, no. Just like, I like – like I said, it it has potential. It's just – it's clearly not finished. I'm so, trying, I don't know what the significance is either. It, it has to be something. So, Mike Tyson comes out first with the belt, as I mentioned. And then the first one out is uh, Lance Archer, who runs out with a guy, whole, carrying a, bringing a fucking guy to the ring. He throws the guy, he brings the guy into the ring, choke slams the bejesus up. If it was Terry Funk, he would have fallen out of his shoes. And it sucks. And Mike Ty- they just cut to Mike Tyson, who is just giddy with excitement over the violence. Like, he's just... <laughs> This motherfucker. He's Be like, as soon as they back, back and Jake the Snake Roberts is doing a little jig. He's doing this little dance in the background, and I'm like, what the fuck am I looking at here? I do love the pairing. He's like, I'm gonna break his back. Final. <laughs> He's like, play it to Lance. Play well, the by the way, well, by the way, guys, you do know why uh, Mike Tyson was rooting for Cody, right? Code Stone. You know why? No, but you know why, right? Why? Because he had Arn Anderson as 
in his corner. He invented invented the spinal buster. Oh, that's all because of he likes code stone. <laughs> but yeah, so so he comes out and does that his 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 beating up of the young boys. Of all the things he kept from New Japan, I'm really glad beating up the young boys is something that he brought to AEW. <clears throat> this match, like, it went too long. It 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 was too much. Like, I think there was too much of the managers at times. Like, like okay, Jake comes back, but, and then it's just like Jake goes back and then comes back, and then Arn Anderson's getting kicked out. It just felt like, can they just have a match? Can we what just have thing, a match? One I give Jake a lot of credit for, and this is why he's probably going to get very well known to like newer fans as a manager, is I appreciate that he goes up, he gets up on the ramp. He doesn't just stay at ringside off camera. He makes himself known. Like he makes like you can't ignore the fact that Jake Roberts is involved in this match one way or the other. Even if he's just standing like you know, because if he's going to attack somebody, that's one thing. But like, if he's but, all he's gonna do is walk around, he's gonna make sure you see him. And mm-hmm. I really appreciate that because Arn was kind of like and, out of sight, out of mind. Jake's like, fuck that shit. And that's, I think, again, a testament to how smart Jake is and how intuitive he is with the wrestling business. Absolutely, if just just, just knowing you're how you're to entertain people. There. there was a nice moment when uh, <clears throat> uh, Cody had DDT. And looked oh, right at Jake. And then fucking Lance Archer does a fucking spine buster and looks right at Arn. Yeah, I, I see that was a nice moment. As soon as the DDT happened, and I was like, oh, and he kicked out. I was like, oh my god, Caitlin, if if Lance Archer does a fucking spine buster Cody in front of Arn, I'm gonna lose my shit. And sure enough, it happened, and I'm pretty sure I might a little pebble of shit might have come out. I don't know. Um Mike Tyson barely got involved. He, he only got involved to, like, take off his shirt and scare Jake away, which yeah. led to the finish. But I mean, the, it, I think that deep down, like, yeah, his involvement was kind of anticlimactic. But by that same token, like, I'm actually kind of glad because it put the focus on. Yeah. Yes, so much shit already happened. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, at that point, I was just like, can, can we just do something else? But you are getting the worst part of Mike Tyson being there. He totally stooged out Arn Anderson to one of the referees, and that's why he came down to be like, yo, Arn attacked Archer. You got to kick him out. But then luckily, ref Wright Rensburg was like, okay, well, I'm kicking Jake out too. Yeah. Well, we had had to have Mike Tyson and another referee tell the referee. I do do love how Mike Tyson still looks like he will kill anybody if they step into a ring with him. Shame. Yeah, uh, you should have seen him. I seen him uh, do some quick like drills, like punching drills. It, he's still, and you know, don't don't fight him. That's all I said. Basically, the Whoa. match the match is uh, Cody does one crossroads kicks he kicks out, and then at the end of the match, Cody does a crossroads, and then picks him up while in in the hold to do another crossroads because he's never done that before on an well, AEW yeah, match ever. That, well, that's kind of like when uh, when uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, if the if the high five flow doesn't work, then he'll do the double where like he he does one on their back and then he flips them over and then he jumps up and he does another one. I know, but I feel like he just did this to like MJF in their match. It's called a signature. <clears throat> you gotta have you gotta have like. But if you have that, it's stuff. like it's like if John Cena every match does the super fu off of the top rope. Actually, when it comes to pay-per-view matches, I think he actually has been. 
He hasn't been on a pay per view in like yeah, I don't know what you're talking about a year and a half. Well, I mean the last <laughs> yeah. the last couple the last couple ones he was on. Come on, but but yeah, Cody won, so now he could win the actual title. I kind of figured he was gonna win when they said. You know, I in the package, he was like, I can't win the world championship, but I can win this championship. So I'm like, he could win, but then on the second time, is AEW is known for just shitting on Cody. Well, not only, yeah, I was going to say, it's so easy to say that, but how many of these matches has everyone said, oh, Cody's definitely going to win this one, and then he loses? Yeah. You know what uh-huh. I mean? Like, I think deep down, I think we all as wrestling fans need to just, like, stop thinking we know everything and just, just think, see what happens. I thought it could go either way. Um, I was and, sure Archer was winning, and and that was I think that's a credit to the build, um, like not not even in the tournament, just the build between you know Cody what he's capable of, and then you get the introduction of Lance Archer via those vignettes and his like him and Jake just kind of <clears throat> showing up, not storming the ring, but just just showing up. And yeah, making it known that they're coming after Cody. They've been, yeah, they've definitely been doing really good with Lance Archer, bringing him in, introducing him to the audience. And I mean, I don't think losing hurts him. If anything, you know, it showed off a lot. The match showed off a lot of his toughness and showed like how much it actually takes, you know, to take him out. If anything, uh, I think uh, he looks strong in defeat. Uh, just to, for for time, I'm just gonna condense the next two matches because. Oh my god! I was literally gonna say the same. I was literally <clears throat> gonna say the same thing. Because you know, you know, we have a limited time to talk about these things. Uh, Chris Statlander beat Penelope Ford. I like Chris Statlander a lot, by the way. Yeah. yeah this was, the match was fine. It felt like it felt like a dynamite match. It didn't feel like it didn't. Yeah. Feel interview but i also attribute that to the fact that he she was supposed to wrestle brett baker and then she got hurt on wednesday so they had to just like they only announced this match i think on friday so they only had like a day to work on this match i'm not i don't hold it against either one of them their body of work speaks for itself uh yeah so that happened and then the next match is dustin rhodes defeats sean spears we all knew dustin rhodes was gonna show up uh we all knew it uh, and then wait, 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 hold on. We have to address the elephant in the room. Sean Spears' underwear. That has Tully Blanchard's face on it, which okay. totally looked like a ball sack. Yeah, I was going to say, when, I, watch, when was... I watch this with Caitlin, so when I'm watching it, she's taking her makeup off. Because I told her, I was like, if you're going to if you're gonna do it during the show, this is the time to do it. Because I don't think this, I think this is going to be more or less like a storyline squash rather than an actual match. And so she's doing that, and all of a sudden he's taking he takes the all his suit off. Every he, uh, does, doesn't takes Sean's suit off, and all of a sudden I look at his underwear. I'm like, oh my god, is that his fucking penis? Is this cock and balls sticking out? I can't. I was like, what? What is it? I was like, babe, I think his dick sticking out. She's like, oh my god, is that his balls? And it's like you don't realize it's Tully Blanchard until they they zoom in on it, and I'm like, why was Tully there? Why like? I don't get it. I, I like this. It's a right reference there. to Rick Rude, but it's weird. <laughs> I like this match better when it was in WrestleMania 12. Ah, uh, it was just really, it was a really this weird. This was. It was really cool, though. It was a really cool moment for Dustin. It brought him back to the fold and made him look like a million bucks. My like, issue. Look like a million bucks anyway. My issue is, like, they want to be the alternative for WWE, but this is the most all WWE segments. I think Vince McMahon would have loved this. 
I I loved it. It, it, to me, it was, it, it's a throwaway moment. I thought this was very well done. I thought it was nice storytelling. I thought it, it felt old school. You know what I mean? It felt very old school. This felt like something where you can imagine like Hulk Hogan doing this story with somebody or this moment with somebody. It reminds me, it's, I mean, it's the obvious connection to Rick Rude, Jake Roberts. Um, if you guys... I mean, I know Scott remembers that, so... Yeah. So, All right, we gotta... That's, that's what it is to me. All right, we gotta condense the next three matches into 20 minutes. Uh, the next three matches, or the last three matches, <clears throat> uh, this is where... I don't want to say the show fell apart. It didn't fall apart. It was more as like... It went, it went a little <clears throat> off the rails in a it, good way. It, it's like... Maybe next time, don't have the last three matches spill out to the crowd every well, time. Well, I do I also face them out. I don't know. Well, I do think they should have just dropped the Chris Statlander match since Brett Baker was out that that close to the show. I think they could have done without that match. Um, as much as I enjoyed it, I could. I do agree. Like maybe not do the Dustin thing at the pay per view, but save that for maybe next week at Dynamite. Yeah, it felt like a Dynamite moment. Yeah. Um, other, th- I'm just saying. Other than that, though, I mean, like I said, these matches were fun. They felt like very Attitude Era esque. Like, you know, they're not no DQ, but well. The women's title match was, but like the, the rules are bent. Yes, yes, it felt like I almost felt like is this like nineteen ninety, uh, like late nineties WCW rules? Yeah, <laughs> but they, I mean they were the la- the two matches before the same stampede were more or less male and female versions of each other. Um, a lot of brawling, a lot of great stuff. I did like um when Hikaru Shida did the running jumping knee off the poker chip to Nyla Rose and knocked that over. Uh, Nyla Rose slamming uh, Hikaru Shida into the black or the roulette table. I thought was really cool. The story with the stick. I I like what they're doing with that one. How like for weeks Hikaru Shida couldn't find it, and then it turned out Nia or Nyla Rose took it, and it was like tormenting her with it. Yeah, it's cute. You know, like you know, realistically, she just bought a new one. <sighs> Do you not? Understand? I, I, can't, I can't, It's it's her Barbie. It's her. You can't. You ha- you can't throw logic into an illogical mm. form of entertainment. I think my only problem with the match was I feel like you could have put it somewhere else in the card because they're too back to back, and I feel like you could have easily put that where the Chris take the Chris Statlander match out and then put that there. That makes sense. Well, I do think. Well, also remember they want to emphasize the importance of the title. You know, I, I understand. But like, they want to put it as close uh, to the main event as they can. Because well, even at Revolution, I believe the last three matches were the women's tag and world title matches. So I think I do like that they like that they save the title matches to the end. That being said, I do think that the matches should have had a little bit more variety between them, being so close together. But if you look at them, if you look at them in the sense of uh, Sheeta versus Nyla was just like, you know, it was more like. A, bra- a brawl, not so much a street fight, but a brawl. Whereas Amber Ambrose, Moxley, and Brody, that was a brawl. That was a more like violence and blood and guts. This... Whereas that one was more just like creative use of weapons. You know the, what I mean? Women, uh, yeah. So the women's match was probably my favorite wrestling match of the night. I'm torn. I think Nyla Rose could have 
kept the title for a little longer to be a monster. I break yeah. bitches. Well, I but think I'm in- also happy for Sheeta because I think Sheeta, out of all the Joshi wrestlers, she is the most defined, the most talented. Over. Well, not only that, but I also think uh, Nyla Rose, They pro- she probably can't go to get to Florida as much as she'd like to, so, and they want to keep the title visible, because she's been gone for a while now, and that means the women's title has been gone for a while. And I think since Sheeta's mm-hmm. able to be on all the shows, I guess they figure, okay, well, we'll put the belt on Sheeta, and then that way the belt can be mm-hmm. more prominent, and then people can wreck will recognize it a lot more. Because without the title on the show, the women's matches kind of seem unimportant. Yeah. Because if they're uh, waiting for a belt, and, they're really, probably aren't shot at a belt that isn't there. On top of that, like, Sheeta is the best option at this time. So it's like, we, we got to pull the trigger now. And she, she always had the best matches of every anybody in the women's division. She also cosplayed as Tifa, so she wins. Red Tifa. <clears throat> yeah. Um, the, the, the men's match was pretty much the same match. Uh, but an emphasis on violence. Yeah. I mean, honestly with the biggest sleeves I've ever seen on a leather jacket. Like at first I was like, Oh shit, that, that jacket's cool. I like the gold. And then I literally, my first words are, why are those fucking sleeves so big? I think, I think they wrestled each other in like CZW or something a long time ago. And I've seen that match and I was like, I'm pretty sure it's very similar. They wrestled in CZW. They did. Apparently they did have a brief feud over the intercontinental title as well in WWE. They're also shield and Wyatt's. I just remember the Yeah, Moxley versus Lee, you know, I I remember that. And I was like, I'm pretty sure this match is very similar to the old CZW match they had. But yeah, without, a lot of, without the, a lot of uh, the the suicide dives through the guardrail were just ungodly. Uh, um, yeah, it ends a with a lot of slams. Uh, I think Brody Lee went to do a power bomb because Moxley brought the steps in, and then Brody Lee went to go do a power bomb onto the uh, the timekeeper table, but. Uh, but Moxley was able to counter it into a backdrop, so he goes through. A um, lot of, you know, just a lot of like back and forth going on. One of the sickest sit-out power bombs I've ever seen Brody Lee hit. I really thought that was was gonna end it. I really thought we were gonna have a new champion. Um, they fight their way to the ramp. They start beating on each other out there. I believe he hits a regular a paradigm shift on the stage, or he attempted. I can't remember first. Um, but then. He gets to the point where they go to the steps, and they've got, they're using like the short ramp where it's like it's like the steps and then a little bit of ramp to get to the ring, not the long ramp like they had at um yeah. at uh at uh the paper other pay per views. So he picks him up and does the the what the Death Rider, which I mean I'm sorry, you see an elevated double arm DDT, that's fucking Death Rider. No paradigm shift, that's Death Rider, and he drops him right through the fucking ramp. Like if you th- like if you thought Bam Bam and uh, Taz going through the ring was looked brutal, this looked brutal as fuck. Even Caitlyn was like, "That doesn't look like that was supposed to happen." When someone as skeptical as me and Caitlyn are watching this and thinking, "Oh shit, I don't think they were supposed to go through," it's beautiful. Brody comes out covered in blood. They work their way out. Uh, he hits the regular paradigm shift. He hits the elevated, the Death Rider. Brody kicks out at both, and he's like, "Fuck this shit." 
and he puts he puts him in a your favorite Wade a chokehold. <clears throat> and uh, Brody Lee, he his his arms are, are are noodles. He can't he can't he can't straighten the arm. So Moxley wins via submission and retains the belt. Um, it is a great match. I do think, like you, like we were saying, I think the only thing that really hinders it is the fact that it was very similar, but in a different to a different degree than the previous match. But I think on the whole, I think both these matches were really good for what they were. Yeah. And we got two, we got, uh, we got two new champions. Uh, Cody is the first TNT champion, and now we got Hikaru Shida as the women's champion. Moxley retains, and that brings us to the highlight of the night. Now, Scott, can we somehow? Basically, summarize this match in six minutes. Can I can I do one of my lightning quick reviews? Go for it. All right. Okay. Elite and Matt Hardy versus the Inner Circle. Stadium Stampede. Okay, so first the Inner Circle come out. They get football entrances. They've got uniforms, cheerleaders, everything. It's fucking awesome. Uh, Elite come out, except for Adam Page. They all start brawling, beating each other up. All of a sudden, Adam Page shows up on a fucking horse. I have nicknamed Heart uh, Horse Break Kid since his previous horse was Hunter Horse Helmsley, keeping the Horse DX theme going. A lot of, a lot of brawling, a lot of crazy shit going on. I'm not saying any of these in order because that would just be ridiculous to do. Um, you've got Lake and Reincar- of Reincarnation with Matt Hardy. He's broken. Hardy Boys, V1, back to broken. Uh, you, uh, Santana gets thrown into an ice chest, uh, Ortiz gets incapacitated by a bell and is duct taped to a wheelchair that was there for some reason. Uh, what else? Uh, Kenny Omega gets double powerbomb through a guardrails between two cocktail tables. Uh, Matt, Matt Jackson, Northern Light suplexes, I believe Sammy Guevara from one end zone to the other. Uh, Nick Jackson throws footballs at Chris Jericho and does not miss a single one. In fact, the point of one is Jericho in the nuts. Uh, Jericho hits the Judas effect on uh, Jackson Deville, the Jaguars mascot. Uh, there's a big, there's a big running. He runs, Matt ja- or Nick Jackson runs down the steps to jump off the rail and hit a big splash on Jericho. Uh, Hangman, while looking for Sammy Guevara, finds a bar. He chills in the bar. Uh, Jake Hager meets up with them. They beat the shit out of each other. They do all the bar shit, throwing each other over, the, throwing the guy over the pool table. They do the the bar slide where you slide the guy along the bar and he gets hit with all the drinks. Um, Kenny Omega shows up and they start beating him up at the bar. They hit him with like I think five beer bottles, followed by uh, a V trigger. Uh, Kenny Omega actually gets on all fours, so um, so Adam, Hangman Page can front flip over him to do a buckshot lariat, which was beautiful, followed by them sharing a drink. Of course, Kenny doesn't drink, so he drinks milk instead of whiskey. Um, so they have that. Um, oh, my God, a lot of crazy stuff. They use the uh, the marker, you know, like the orange like marker that they stick in the ground. That was used as a weapon. Uh, there's a big jaguar head that was used to, uh, as something to throw guys into. Um, there's even a point where Jericho goes for a pin. He, he swears to referee Aubrey Edwards it was a three count. So they review the play uh, in w- to which he, the, the play stands. It was a two count, and he refers to it as a shitty referee. Uh, Sammy gets chased by the golf cart again, but is able to but is able to avoid it. He's chased up by Matt and Kenny, but who should show up? Neo One, the new drone. I believe, according to Excalibur, it is now known as uh, Natural Electronic Organism 1. That's what NEO stands for. 
And uh, so he causes the distraction, which allows Kenny Omega to hit the goddamnedest one wing angel off the top of that little bat off the top of the balcony through a big ass thing of wood. He pins him and the elite win. I know I miss shit, but I can't remember everything. I can't, I don't have the footage handy to get to, but it was, if you like crazy batshit insane wrestling that still has some semblance of re- normalcy and reality, except for Matt Hardy changing personalities mid-match, this was awesome. If you're not a wrestling fan, this is perfect for you. This was like, think of the craziest action mm. movie. Imagine if the fight scene in They Live was 5-1-5 in a football field. Best way to describe it. And... And they barely had enough time for Jim Ross to tell us goodnight. Holy shit. One of the best things ever. Forget about cinematic matches, okay? We have re- we have the Holy Trilogy. The Boneyard match, the Money in the Bank match, and now this. We have the Holy Trilogy of cinematic wrestling in 2020. We don't need any more. I don't know if anyone could top this match with cinematic the cinematic style. I, you know, like, like Firefly Funhouse was great, but again, it wasn't much of a match, whereas the other aforementioned matches were more matches than they were, like, a mini they're, they're They're fights. Yeah. yeah, this was great. Overall, I love this pay-per-view. I'm really glad I ordered it. I'm really glad uh, I ordered the Double or Nothing t-shirt. Because this is a show that not only am I glad I watched, but this is a show I don't mind advertising I watched. I, I was thoroughly entertained. I don't think anyone could watch this show and not feel, at the end of the day, through the highs and lows of it, that they were not entertained. Like, I can't imagine anyone other than Jim Cornette not liking this show, <laughs> having a good time with this show. What do you guys think? Well, not you, Joe. You didn't watch it. You weren't able to watch it yet. It was fun. Wow, that sounded enthusiastic. <clears throat> it was no, fun. I, oh wait, I forgot. Subtlety. Subtlety. It was fun. I mean, I was just trying to say you summed it up and Scott, you summed it up in four minutes. What else could I say? It was good. I enjoyed it. I have to rewatch it. But you didn't but so like okay, so if you had to get so how many uh how many how many uh trying to think what a great form of i've got two minutes i've got two minutes what can i use as my unit of measurement for this one swinging giblets Hmm. how many wallace shawns do you give double or nothing out of five that's inconceivable i'd probably give it four you give it four wallace shawns out of five Yeah. yeah i give it four wallace shawns as well i don't if if some of the other matches like if if you didn't do the the Chris Statlander one and the and and save the co- the uh, Sean Spears Dustin Rhodes thing for Dynamite, I think it would be a full five in my opinion. Uh, by the way, the Wallace Shawn reference is a reference to the movie Vegas Vacation, which ironically was on right before Double or Nothing, and I watched that beforehand. Which I mean, you talk about you talk about fate. Uh, what is, I forget, Wade. What's what's that line from Vegas Vacation? What line? The one that you always say. Fifteen hundred. Oh, JJ fifteen hundred. Thank you. 
but yeah, so that's our thoughts on AEW Double or Nothing. Uh, we really enjoyed it. If you're a wrestling fan, I think you'll get there's something for everybody here, which I think is most important. And I think that's one of the things that makes AEW stand out is unlike WWE, where everyone is basically trained in one style of match, that homogenized, you know, cookie cutter style. They they might incorporate. Let me put it this way: the cookie the cookie may be the same, and there might be different things in the cookie, like. One cookie might have M&Ms, one, one might have chocolate chips, one might have peanut butter chips. But at the end of the day, with WWE, it's still a cookie. I feel like with AEW, they're really good at giving you a whole smorgasbord. You know, you got your cookies, you got your brownies, you got your your gelatin, you got your, you know, whatever. You've got a wide variety of, of, of sweet things to satisfy your appetite. Um, also, Joe mentioned uh, some great documentaries. Uh, what were those titles for the people at home so they can, you know, look them up and see them for themselves? Uh, one was Too Funny to Fail, and the other one you guys looked up. Uh, it, oh, that was uh, Dumb, the story of uh, Big, Big Brother Magazine. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So so you got some two documentaries and a great wrestling show to watch if you haven't watched them already. And, uh, yeah, so uh, – that's going to do it for this show, but before we go, there's one thing we got to do, and Wade is going to plug you in. You can follow us on Twitter, MidConditionMCP. Follow us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash MidConditionProductions, and follow us on Instagram, MidConditionProductions. Right. Wade and I also have a band called Meteor King, MeteorKing.BandCamp.com. You can find links all of our social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Reverb Nation. It's all there. You can purchase merch. You can get digital songs. You can get T-shirts, patches, pens, CDs. You name it. You order something physical, you're going to get a Meteor King sticker. Um, and you can keep up to date much better there on news, on social media, than you can through the show. So definitely follow that social media if you want to know what's going on. Uh with Meteor King, where we're going next, and uh, just shit for the future. Joe? Uh, we're also on YouTube, as we had mentioned earlier. Uh, go to youtube.com slash minkandishproductions. Uh, you can find all our video content there. Uh, there's Criterion Connections. Uh, there are old MCP soundchecks. There's B-Movie Den. There's uh, the shorts, including our... Uh, multi-film festival and award-nominated shorts, Laugh Till You Die. Um, Go check all those out there. Subscribe to the channel. Comment on the videos. Like the ones you like. Um, You can also check out those shorts on Vimeo. uh, Oh, like the one you hate, too. And uh, on Vimeo, I think it's vimeo.com slash productions. You are correct, sir. So definitely check out our video output if you are interested in more mint condition content, especially in this time. So, uh, yeah. All right. That's all I got. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week's show. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we will see you next time. Until then, I'm Scott the Bot Savage along with... Sweat Red. And... Joe. Reminding everybody at home to keep it clean. Keep it sweet. But most importantly, you got to keep it... When your face blinded.